0: This is Eat, You'll Feel Better, a podcast about the food-mood connection. I'm food journalist, Mary Beth Albright. And today's topic is under the food-mood heading and the food-mood principle that flavor is always created in the brain. That it's not just what you taste on the tongue, and it's not even only what you taste on the tongue and what you smell in your nose. Because I think a lot of people learned in like grammar school that smell is part of taste, right? It's part of flavor, but, um, but really everything around us counts when we're eating something, everything that leads us up to the moment of eating and everything that surrounds us at the time, uh, counts towards how we experience the food's flavor. Um, it, it's almost overwhelming when you start thinking about it. It's sort of like an infinity of of memories and um, experiences and relationships and um you know just how we taste food and that flavor that we taste affects our satisfaction levels. That's not the only thing that affects satisfaction levels because there is a gut brain axis and the gut tells the brain when it's had fat or when it's had sugar or those kinds of things but today we're just focusing on what happens when flavor is created in the brain and I'll tell you how I got to this topic which is this weekend I was in Los Angeles for several days and I needed to work at a I wanted to work at a coffee shop um, sometimes it's t- easier when people are working around you. I don't know if you've ever had the experience that sometimes it's just hard to work at home. Um, so sometimes it's just better when you have people up banging away on laptops around you, right? So I asked someone where to go. I was in Pasadena it, um, and they told me about a place called Erwan. And I know that I am late to the party on Air One. uh In a lot of ways, it's been around for a while. Um, it's a luxury grocery store, like a luxury Whole Foods, upscale Whole Foods kind of. And there are 10 of them in the Los Angeles area. It's just a super, super high-end Grocery store, they have like regular packaged products, but they also have their own products. They also have their own, um, you know, market with sandwiches and salads and all kinds of pre-made foods. Um, So there's a lot to say about Erwan. But for today's episode, I'm going to focus on just one thing that they had at Erwan that I bought, and that is the Haley Bieber smoothie. So clearly... I'm not the target market for this because first I had to look up who Haley Bieber was. Don't don't shame me for that. I mean, this is a food and science podcast. It's not a Hollywood podcast, but she's a model and amongst many other things surrounding her, but she's a she's a very successful model. And um, they have at Erwan a smoothie that they collaborated with her in making. And it's called the strawberry glaze, Haley Bieber strawberry glaze. And you can look up the, you can Google all of the ingredients, but um, almond milk, collagen powder, strawberries, coconut cream, sea moss. It's got those sort of wellness ingredients in them, what are thought of as wellness ingredients. But the great thing about it is that there's a thickness to it um, because of that almond milk, because of that collagen powder, which... You know, is supposed to be in there to help skin. I, I'm not. We're not going to talk anything about that. Um, that claim. That's a totally different episode on a probably a different podcast. But, um, but it's delicious, right? I got the Haley Bieber smoothie, and it was delicious, and it tasted like a milkshake. And again, I'm not the target market for this because I, I Haley Bieber's not in my imagination. She is now but um my question that i was thinking about as i was drinking it was how much more delicious is it to me but certainly to somebody who is a is a follower of this model on um you know on all social platforms and looking at her work and that kind of thing how much more delicious is it is a is a smoothie because of where you are when you buy it, who it was named after, the perception of the quality of the ingredients, because you're in this very high end luxury grocery store in Los Angeles where there are paparazzi outside. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, again, another episode. And this smoothie about a year ago went viral on TikTok. Again, not something I was aware of prior to me going to my laptop and saying, I'm going to Google the Haley Bieber smoothie. And it goes to this idea that flavor is created in the brain. So how much more delicious is the Haley Bieber smoothie? Because it's the Haley Bieber smoothie, because it's at Erwan, um, because it's associated with Los Angeles. That was the question That I walked away with that I really wanted to get into the science of and it turns out there are a lot of studies about this so the studies that I took a look at were about the influences of scientifically non-gustatory just non-taste influence what is the influence of non-gustatory cues on flavor perception, on how our brains perceive flavor? And there are all kinds of studies on odors, um, how odors affect um, what we taste, how the color of something affects what we taste. And I got to tell you, the Haley Bieber smoothie, it has like pink and white stripes on the outside. So it's like strawberry and coconut stripes. Um, really quite beautiful. I posted it on my Instagram, if you want to take a look at that. But also our memory and our associations and how that affects what we taste. And there's been a lot of work around the verbal input, the input of words um, on flavor. And that includes what something is named, the descriptive health information, the descriptive ingredient information of something because when we eat taste is one input but flavor is mediated through all of our experiences and uh, one way I think about this is maybe this person is you maybe this is person is someone you know but if someone had a bad experience with tequila a lot of times they just never drink tequila again for the rest of their lives and it's usually you know in college, binge drinking, low quality product, like all those kinds of things. But for the rest of their lives, they're like, nope, just don't do tequila. They drink, but they will not drink tequila. So it's that kind of like a, I just don't want to relive that experience, right? P.S. I love tequila, but that's a different podcast. Um, So they found, researchers have found that odors, for example, are rated as more pleasant when rate, when paired with pleasant words. Um, So the same odor, if it's labeled as cheese or truffle is rated better than if that exact same odor is rated as, I'm sorry, if it's early in the morning for you, vomit, (laughs) right? Um, Same odor, odor, just different ways of calling it. And, um, so when this transfers into flavor, um, there's another study that umami, the umami taste, the fifth flavor that's sort of like richness and meatiness, that, that is rated as significantly more pleasant when it's called a rich and delicious taste than when it's called monosodium glutamate, which is what it is, MSG, right? Because we have all kinds of associations with MSG. Um about it being unhealthy or problematic in some way. So words matter with food. Words really matter. Um, And the most relevant study for us is a study that was done a few years ago, and it's called Taste of the Elite, the effect of food products with elite groups on taste perception. So the finding of this study is that things are perceived, food is perceived as tasting better and having better flavor when they are associated with the social and financial elite. That in some way, the qualities of the social and financial elite are being bestowed on you just because you're drinking a smoothie. That is named for them or that they had a collaboration with and that's you see that all over right now with celebrity collaborations um, with all kinds of companies and it's known in science as the contagion effect that those qualities of being rich and elite are somehow contagious through the purpose of that smoothie and we see this in all kinds of areas, right? That um, when, when, if you ever watch the HBO show Succession, that there would appear, some, somebody would appear in an outfit or even just an item that was sort of like a sign of stealth wealth. I'm thinking of, you know, the thousand dollar baseball cap at one point that someone was wearing. And the next day that product sells out. That's the contagion effect. And I'm not saying that the contagion effect is good or bad or that Haley Bieber is good or bad, or that Erwan is good or bad. I'm just saying it's a scientific fact of the world we live in. And it's something to be aware of, of how our brains work in relationship to food. And how does that scientific fact, the contagion effect, affect what and how we choose to eat and how we are satisfied by it? In, there were two far smaller studies than the um, contagion effect study that I talked about just now that cookies that were claimed to be eaten by members of the royal family or used by Michelin starred chefs, taste, they were rated as tasting 51% better than the same cookie that had nothing associated with it, right? It was just like the same cookie sitting on a plate. With, with no Kate Middleton eating them, right? Um, and then in another study that was even more dramatic, seventy percent of people found cookies more delicious—the same cookie—when the eaters thought they were purchased by also by people with master's degrees or PhDs. So this elite effect—it's not just celebrity; it's not just—it's um, not just financial elite. It's also just feeling like. There's someone out there who knows better than you what to do or what to eat, and I think I think it's built on this idea that there there's so much confusion around food right now um, that people are just looking to anyone to tell them what to eat. And Erwan is beautiful; like that store is gorgeous. It carries, you know, as I said, those packaged products, um, but it also has its own line of prepared foods. So when you walk in to the store, there are, there are shelves of refrigerated products in glass jars, and it's just an absolute rainbow wall of all different kinds of things, soups, um, fermented vegetables, beans, like just be- these beautiful walls. You walk in and you're confronted with this idea of transparency Right? Like you can just, you can see everything that we're doing here. There's no secrecy about food. There's none of the sort of confusion and opaqueness that you get around food in some other places. Like when you think about going into the average grocery store, the, 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 back, the back spaces are, are walled off, it's sort of like there's stuff going on back there, but you don't know what it is. And this idea that there can be total transparency in food. Um, is really powerful, and at Erwan, you're paying more money. Don't be mistaken. I mean, it, it's 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 got a price tag to go with it, but what you're getting is somehow pure. That's the message that's being sent. Um, there's a there's a show on Amazon called Upload that is set in the future. It's a great show, highly recommended. Not a not a plug. Just letting you know, personal recommendation. But in the future it's a comedy. It sounds dark, but, um, only the wealthiest people can afford to eat carrots pulled straight out of the ground. Most people are eating printed 3d things that are made to look like carrots and made of some like sort of all purpose food material. So when people who are not wealthy have real carrots, it's like, Oh my gosh, what is this? This is delicious. Um, And hopefully, we never get to that place in the world, right? People like to make fun of Erwan because it's so expensive and so designed and so purposeful, right? But to me, the point is not taking that stuff away. The point is, how do we get to a place of food equity where those kinds of places are not only for the wealthy? It's not an Erwan problem. It's a food system problem. that we want we want everyone to have access, not necessarily to Haley Bieber smoothies, although, you know, they are delicious. But how do we get to a place where that's there's that kind of food transparency that can lead to a contagion effect that leads all of us? It's like a nudge to eat the vegetables and the fruits and the whole grains that are really nourishing for us without getting into the diet culture mentality of like, oh, and it'll help me lose weight because we're staying away from that. At Eat You'll Feel Better, we stay away from that diet culture mentality. So just some things to think about this week when you are choosing what to eat, when you are choosing how to eat. And the one thing that I'm bringing you this week that is the sort of in action, thing that you can do. I, I give one thing every week that you can do to put the science to work for you. One small thing. It's not like, okay, this week, eat only vegetables, right? What I want you to try for yourself is a smoothie that I make at home. It's, it's fewer ingredients. I'm not, it's, it's delicious. Um, and it tastes like a milkshake. And I used to feed this, or I still do, feed this to my son all the time. And I love ice cream, but this has no ice cream in it. And I'm not someone who eats like banana ice cream all the time, right? Like I do love a regular flavor of ice cream and a a regular, you know, kind of ice cream, dairy ice cream. But this smoothie, I honestly like it as much as a milkshake. And that is not an opinion that is filtered through any kind of like Health conscious filter, right? I'm not trying to perkily tell you that this j- tastes just like a milkshake. Like it actually does taste like a milkshake. Um, and what you call it matters. And so I call it a milkshake. When my son was little, we used to call it the after school smoothie. Think of what the acronym for that is. And then we'd be like, I want a big after school smoothie. I want a small after school smoothie, that kind of thing. So it's like just a fun, it, it's a fun thing to know and use to your advantage um, that, that what you name things matters. And anything you make at home, you get to name yourself. That's the great thing about cooking. One of the many. So in this milkshake, I make it in a Vitamix blender, which is a real... Again, not a plug, just personal suggestion. Um, it's a really high-powered blender. They're a little spendy, but to me, very worth it. A, a great investment, and they last for years. Um, but you can make it in a regular blender, uh, just on a very high speed. Um, all it is, ice, milk. I use dairy milk, but I also have used almond milk or oat milk. Ice, milk. Frozen banana, one frozen banana cut up into pieces. And what I do with the frozen banana, anytime I have bananas that are going brown, because I like really yellow bananas. Anytime I have bananas that are going brown on the counter, I just cut them up into pieces and stick them in the freezer because I know I'll use them for the after-school smoothie. And then peanut butter uh, and vanilla powder. Vanilla powder is, is, is a specialty item. It's like ground up vanilla beans. I like it because it puts those little black flecks in the smoothie and we know that what we see influences what we taste. So I see that and it looks like it's a vanilla bean milkshake. Uh, It looks like there's, and there is actual vanilla in it. A lot of, um, some companies will add flecks of artificial vanilla bean to ice cream to make it look like it's more natural and to improve perceived flavor, right? So here what we're doing, again, ice, milk, frozen banana, peanut butter, and vanilla powder. And then you just blend that on super high until it becomes thick. And that is your milkshake. And it is a milkshake because milkshakes don't necessarily have to have ice cream. There's a milk and it's shaken up. Um, and I, if you make that for yourself, it is it is spectacular. It is thick and creamy and satisfying and really fantastic in the summer. I know we're in the winter right now, but like sometimes if I'm like after dinner and I really want something that after school smoothie that hits the spot. That's eat. You'll feel better for this week. I'm Mary Beth Albright. And until next week, let's remember that choosing what to eat is always a privilege. Bye for now.